name is Pastor Kennan. Welcome to Crosswalk. If it's your first time visiting with us, I just want to tell you what a, what a privilege it is that we host you this morning. There's coffee in the back. We hope you'll have something warm to drink and you'll make yourself comfortable. If you're joining on, online, I'd like to also welcome you um, to Lover's Lane Church. This is our Crosswalk service where our mission is to love all people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. So this is a wonderful, wonderful discipleship series that we're in. It's called Meant for More. And the goal is really in the title. What's cool is it's on our stage here. It says, moving towards a fuller faith. And that's what we've been focused on each week of this series. In week one, we talked about moving from inside to outside. Moving from like uh, uh, living as Christians towards this more fuller expression of us actually being like Christ in the world. Moving from a kingdom of me to a kingdom of we, where we allow a lot of room for God to be in our picture. Moving from um, uh, an attitude, uh, as what we talked about last week, of, of giving to God Instead, an attitude of returning to God out of God's abundance for our lives. And this week, we're going to be looking at something about us being closed off from each other versus what it looks like for us to be open up and vulnerable to one another. Are we ready, church, to have that conversation this morning? Great. I'm glad that you're with me. To get us started this morning, I wanted to share a little art with you. If you'll take a look at this picture, um, I wanted to share this with you along with some poetry that I thought would be really perfect for opening our time together this morning. The poem that I'm going to read to you is entitled Wild Geese, and it's by uh, Mary Oliver. And if you like uh, poetry, uh, I would uh, love for you to um, check out her poem. She's quite the writer. And uh, this beautiful painting will kind of help us in envision and to kind of capture these words. Listen to this, wild geese. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about your despair, yours, and I'll tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies, and the deep trees, the mountains, and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination. Calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over, announcing your place in the family of things. Would you pray with me? God, you are like a loving parent. A tender, loving father and an affectionate, gentle mother. You have called each and every one of us into being, breathed life into us by your own spirit, wired us with gifts and, and wonder, and through Jesus adopted us into your family, made us citizens of your kingdom. Help us to know you more, holy God. Move us forward toward a fuller faith 
In Jesus' name, amen. Man, I really loved that last line in Oliver's poem. The world is offering itself to your imagination, announcing your place in the family of things. So how do we move from being kind of closed off from the world to being open up to it? How do we move that way? You know, I believe very firmly that God did not create us to be alone. Not to be alone, not to live life alone. And, 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 and sometimes even in the church, we can feel kind of invisible, right? I know people who will come in uh, after the music has started and leave before the, the last amen is said because they don't want to interact. But I want to tell you this, us interacting, us sharing a relationship, it's the only way that we can truly grow deeper, deeper in our relationship with God and in our relationship with each other because there's an accountability component and there is also an encouragement component and there is a joy that grows out of the wonderful Christian relationships. When they're super healthy, there's nothing better. And as Oliver's poem suggests, that takes on many different announcements like the wild geese. For the first churches who were all offshoots of that first church born on Pentecost Sunday in Jerusalem, we find them dramatically influencing the world. I mean, they are really changing the world around them. They're in an, an oppressed Roman uh, society. They've been overthrown, and yet they are totally influencing and changing their world. We'll be looking at a particular church within that James's church. And let me tell you right now, they are absolutely strategic, right? They are absolutely well planned out in how they do things. First and foremost, they are committed to this. Now, they only have the Old Testament at the time that they're going. But let me tell you, they are committed to it. Lock, stock, and barrel. There are no gimmicks with this church and the way that they present the word of God. There are nothing that are drawing attention to themselves with shtick and pomp. There's nothing like that going on. They're not interested in the latest preaching and evangelism techniques. No, they are completely unconcerned with how many minutes your attention span lasts in order for you to be spoon-fed like baby pablum, the word of God. That's not what's happening. They're giving a direct, a direct account of the truth of the word of God and everything that they're doing. And they're passionately engaging the word of God. What is interesting is that not a lot is changing because we've been doing that here at Lover's Lane for almost 74 years. It's in our vision statement that we will passionately engage the word of God. And for the early church, this teaching, this teaching in the word of God came first. They may have had other things going on, but this came first. And also what was modeled in Jesus' ministry as Jesus lived among them. And also what Jesus commanded in the Great Commission to go and make disciples of how many nations? All nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So when these people 
acted, they acted because it flowed from the word and the truth of the word of God. And everything they did flowed from that. Now, let me tell you, just like in our time, there may have been concerts, there may have been pageants, there may have been all kinds of things going on. But nothing overshadowed the proclamation of the word of God. So I want you to listen this morning as we tap into a message that's being delivered in James's church. I'm going to be reading to you out of James chapter 5. I'm going to be reading in the message translation. If you have a Bible app on your phone, please open that. We'll have it on the screens for you as well if you're with us or online. Are you hurting? Pray. Do you feel great? Sing. Are you sick? Call the church leaders together to pray and to anoint you with oil in the name of the master. Now notice what this preacher is doing here. He is telling us when to pray. And it sounds to me, unless I'm mistaking somewhere, that he's telling us to pray in every circumstance. Hey friend, do you have trouble? Pray. Are you happy in your heart and you want to dance? What'd you say? Jump in the river, Dee Dee? <laughs> Pray. Are you sick? Pray. When to pray. And then he goes on in 15 and says this, Believing prayer will heal you and Jesus will put you on your feet. And if you've sinned, you'll be forgiven healed inside and out make this your common practice now get this confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed now listen to what the preacher is doing here in this passage the preacher is telling us how to pray and how james expects prayer to operate in his church with the elders in the church, right? In faith, confessing to each other and praying for one another. And then this important conclusion in verse 18. Now get this, simple message. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. Now James is addressing why why we pray. He's talking about the results of prayer and the relationship that we're all sharing in community. We learn that this church values prayer because it's truth from the word of God. And it's been modeled for them right in front of them in Jesus' own ministry. So when do we pray? In every circumstance. How do we pray? With elders of the church, with church leaders, and in Jesus' name, confessing and praying with and for each other. And why do we pray? Because the prayers of the righteous are powerful. Now let me ask you this. Have you ever wondered why all this church stuff 
Why all this online stuff? Why all these chairs? Why all these buildings? Why all this church stuff? The band and the music and the guitars and the, the people and the techs and the singers and musicians and pastors. And why all this church stuff? Because let me tell you, you might have been here too long and gotten too comfortable if you don't remember the first time you walked in the church and wondered that. Why all this stuff? Have you ever wondered what would motivate all these people to come together from all these different lifestyles? Have you ever wondered why we would take time to sing? Why we would take time to pray? Why do we repent? Why do we offer up our heartfelt praise to God? Why do we do all of that? What is behind all of our commitments these offerings and these prayers, what is behind it all? Well, it's simple. And if you take nothing else away today, I want you to take away these five words. Just five. Declaring God to be right. Declaring God to be right. Say that with me. Declaring God to be right. That's what it's all about. It is all about, in a nutshell, the essence of every single righteous act of the church since that first Pentecost, including James's church and including this church right here, is so that we can gather together and declare God to be right. Have you ever picked up a Bible and read it and had one of those aha moments where you're reading in the scripture and you're just like, Aha, I get it. It's because this is the truth of the mouth of the word of God. And the spirit that lives inside of you knows its creator. It knows its maker. Have you ever felt... Like you were reading along these words and it's sometime and then all of a sudden you felt the conviction fall upon you. Like, oh, ooh. <laughs> As you study the pages, they kind of point something out and it kind of picks at you. Has it ever caused you to second guess how you talk to somebody or how you managed your own life? Or how you treated another person. It's because the spirit living in your heart is declaring in your heart, undoubtedly, unmistakably, declaring that God is right. And you know what happens then? Some of you will say, oh, scorn, all oh, this. No, worship. <laughs> uh -uh. That's when it gets worshipful. Because the spirit inside you knows and it starts relating to these words, and the worship awakens. That's when you sing a little louder. I heard some of you, right? I heard some of you singing a little bit louder. You listen a little bit deeper. You open yourself up a little bit and make yourself a little bit more vulnerable to others. That's when you know that you're allowing yourself to be transformed by the truth of the mouth of God, which is the word of God.
Now, we're getting this truth from the word today that we need to gather together and to declare God's righteousness. Then we must, according to James, confess our sins. Now, let me tell you, there's some truth about confessing. Confessing can be weird. It, it, it makes you be vulnerable, right? And then you have to look at the other, other person and you got to think, God, do I even trust you with my truth? <laughs> right? I mean, truth and confessing is a little weird. We also, there's some things that we don't want to do. Like, we do not want to admit we are wrong. <laughs> I like that. My kids are like that. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. We don't want to admit that we fall short or that we fail. We don't want to admit that God is right. That's another thing that happens. But I'm going to give you some other truths about confessing our sin. But first, I want you to consider a question. Would it be right now to ask people from outside of here who've never been to church before to come in here, right? And to confess all their sin and repent by making them crawl and grovel for God's love and forgiveness? I'm sorry? Of course not. And yet, friends, wake up to the fact that there are plenty of churches out there that will. You hear what I'm saying? That's why Crosswalk is an important service in the landscape of Lover's Lane United Methodist Church. I hope you know that. The truth is that some churches are like that. And I've experienced them personally. I'm second career, so I've been a minister for a little bit. But let me tell you, I've been in a congregation too. And I've seen it all. But that's not what Crosswalk is about. When we or others are heavy in sin, the church, to be relevant in healing that person must have more than additional hurt to offer. <laughs> it must. What does that mean, though? Well, that means when you have a problem with someone, you go to them. Right? That's a practical application right there. <laughs> Not ten of your other friends that know that you'll agree with them, but go and talk to the one person who may just disagree with you and be loving in that. And resolve it, even if that means to just agree, to disagree, whatever it means. And then you drop it. Not because they shouldn't, but because you can. You only have control of yourself. It means that you see properly the relationship between you and your church leaders and your church elders and the others that are in your community. Here's a great measuring stick. If you spend more of your energy trying to damage and demean others than you spend trying to lift them up, then you need to confess it. And friends, in Jesus' own words, go and sin no more. <laughs> and I'm preaching to myself here, okay? That is the truth of God's holy word. That is the truth from the mouth of God. One of the most serious problems that we face today in our culture with all of our text and our emails and our social media accounts and our technology is our tendency to communicate the first thing that comes out of our minds. That is a bad idea. The reason why God gave you a brain and a mouth 
is so that you can think first. Amen. James 1.19, just a few chapters earlier, says it like this. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen or hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. We suck at listening nowadays. Can I say that? I just did. We suck at listening. We are constantly not present in our conversations and interactions with others. And I am as guilty as the next person. Let me tell you, I've sat in a lot of meetings where I've been more captivated and entertained by the messages that are going back about the presenter than the actual presentation. You ever been there? Anybody want to start out tonight and con- today and confess with me? Thank you, Sarah, one honest person. <laughs> but the word of God is moving us to a fuller faith. So, friends, it says to be slow to speak and slow to anger. So if we want to declare that God is right this morning, then we need to include this in our confessional prayers. For if we refuse to make changes that the Spirit of God is calling us to, we too will get stuck and closed off from others. If we want to know whether our decisions are, and our actions are costing us, ask if we are being moved toward or away from potentially great relationships with others. And when we commit to doing all we can do with our own hearts made anew by God's own spirit, then we can declare, God is right. And you know what happens then? The praise starts rising up. Amen? The praise starts rising up. All of a sudden, it's no longer about what somebody else is doing anymore, you know? It's not about them anymore. It's about how God's real transforming power is really changing you and really changing me on the inside. The psalmist didn't cry, hey, create in Vivian a clean heart, Lord, and renew the right spirit within her, right? No, the psalmist cried, create in me a clean heart. Renew the right spirit in me, not someone else. So if you want to praise God, and you want the praise of God to touch your heart, Then before a word crosses your lips, you need to think first. I need to think first about how God is successfully moving us toward a fuller faith. Why? Well, the same why that James arrived at because of why we pray. Because then your righteousness can pray in power. (laughs) Amen? Then your righteousness can pray in power. Your prayers get powered up. At that point, then you lift yourself and your family and your country and your church and your world by the power of your prayer. Amen. This is the kind of prayer that I'm talking about. That's a game changer. 
This is the kind of prayer where God moves a mountain. This is the kind of prayer that sets the addict free. This is the kind of prayer that takes somebody who is living in desperation and moves them to a fuller life and joyful abundance. This is the kind of prayer that moves that person who feels unloved and devalued into a place of acceptance. The family of things. That God's creation is continually announcing to us. I want to lift one of our own up here. Carla, are you in here? Thank you. Carla spent a good part of her fall teaching a class over a serenity of 11 people of how to arrive at this kind of powered up prayer. And it changes things, doesn't it? It changes things. But then there's the flip side of what if we don't. And James gives us that too. In chapter 1, there was an issue with his church. And friends, it's honestly sometimes our issue. Listen to what James writes. I'm going to start in verse 6. But ask in faith, never doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind, for the doubter being double-minded and unstable in every way must not expect to receive anything from the Lord. That means that you'll ask in prayer for God to move, but before those words even come across your lips, you won't believe that you're going to get it. You won't. You won't believe it. So if there is one thing, one step that I would love if we could all try to take together this morning, it would de be to declare that God is right. So we confess and we repent. And we praise God and we pray in power. Because we all declare today that God is right James is saying that in your trials, you don't need the power gained by money or favoritism or selfishness or fighting or cussing at each other. Instead, use the power of prayer for which you need righteousness. Commit yourself to doing what is right without compromise. Then you may rely on God to meet your needs in prayer. Then you can believe that you are meant for more. Then you can, by God's power alone, be moved into a fuller faith. Then you can move from feeling isolated or alone in your trials and be moved towards community and towards restored relationships. Then you can confidently and wholeheartedly Declare, God, you are right. I declare your righteousness to my brothers and sisters by confessing you as Lord and by confessing that your word is true. I declare in my songs to you, God, from the praises of my mouth and my prayers to you, which were powered by your spirit, that I pray in my community. And I'm transformed because of your son, Jesus Christ, who has forgiven me, who has stood me up, and who came to know 
sin who knew no sin so that I might become his righteousness. Yes, God, you are right. Yes, Lord, you are good. Can you say, yes, God, you are right? (laughs) Boy, you may need some more convincing. Don't be double-minded here. Yes, God, you are right. James believed that genuine faith is truly expressed in real righteousness. I believe it too. Do you? Will you join me today in declaring that God is right? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. My friends, before we pray, I want to tell you about a special time that we're going to have. It's Commitment Sunday, and if you're visiting with us, that just means that our church has ways that we give and return to the Lord. Our prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness. And we've done that with commitment cards. This one is mine and Rachel's. I wanted to be part of the leading gifts with her for you all to know that we believe in the ministry of Crosswalk and we believe that it is important. We have and stand some of the best chance out of this entire campus of reaching people who have never been here before. And so this gift represents our tithe. It represents an increase that the church is hoping to give. And it's a leading gift because we believe that God is moving us toward a fuller faith here. We want to lead that. Our family wants that. For our community and for these people here in our neighborhood. And then across our world that we're ministering to. We also have prayer cards sitting around the sanctuary this morning for you to write down a prayer. Will your family please just think of one thing that you're willing to pray for this church, for this congregation, for God to move us in power in ministry? And will you drop that here? You can come forward with your gifts at the offering time this time or our offering stewards will pass around baskets. I want you to respond, though. If you can move and you've got the ability to come forward, why don't you return to God what's God's, like we've been talking about, and be moved towards a fuller faith? And if you can't, or if you're not willing or able, that's okay, too. We have baskets that are being passed around. I want you to offer your prayer. But I want you to pray in power during this time of offering. Let's thank God. Let's declare that God is right together. Gracious Heavenly Father, God, look at you move. Look at you transform and change us. Look at you, God, in all your power and in all your glory and splendor. Look at you take our dirty hearts and make them clean. Look at you, God, provide for your church out of abundance, out of lives that are full of joy, even though every circumstance isn't ideal. Look at you, God. Look at you go. Look at you, God, be right. Look at you, God, powering us up. And asking us to reign here in this domain and ask, believing, knowing that you'll provide. Look at what you've done. Oh God, it's beautiful. 
I look across the room this morning and my eyes begin to water because I see people that you've brought here, your children, and you love them. Look at you. Go, God, I declare you right. <laughs> I declare you right. I declare you holy. I declare you with my life. I thank you, God, for giving us a heart for this ministry and for these people. I ask you, God, in the power of the name of your son, Jesus Christ, to move in their hearts by your spirit into action, which you've called them to. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Friends, won't you respond to the altar?